Hey, Changemakers, welcome to another episode of the Sacred Changemakers podcast. My name is Jane Warrilow, and I have a great guest lined up for you today. Now, this podcast, it is about change and transformation, but not just any old change. We believe in change for good, which lies at the intersection of three things, personal, professional, and social transformation. So come with us on a journey as we go behind the scenes with people who are making a real difference in our world. Each episode, we're going to be diving deeply into topics at that intersection. Sometimes we'll be interviewing thought leaders, and sometimes we'll be leading deep dive conversations tackling the challenging issues of our times. Before I introduce today's guests, I want to ask a favor. It won't take a minute, and it would make a huge difference to us. Would you please go to iTunes or whatever app you're listening to us on and subscribe and leave a rating and review. It helps us to share our message of inspirational change with as many people as we can, and it helps our guests get their messages out to more people. So thank you. So let me ask you, are you ready to be inspired? Because our guest on the podcast this week is Walt Hampton, JD who helps midlife professionals pivot into the work and the lives that they love. He's a graduate of the Cornell Law School. Walt trained with Tony Robbins to become an executive coach. Walt is the founder of Summit Success International, a global personal and professional development firm. His passions are high altitude mountaineering, ultra distance running and adventure photography. He lives with his wife and business partner, the author Anne Shibani in Castle Townshend Island. Welcome, Walt. I am so thrilled to be with you, Jane. Thank you so much for having me. I know, me too. I tell you, I can't, I can't contain my excitement, Walt, to actually talk to you. And part of that is because of the title that you gave us for our conversation today, Is Sabbath Obsolete? It's mm. so intriguing to me. But before we dive into that conversation about, you know, what that truly means, I'd love our listeners to get just a deeper sense of you. You know, the human behind the bio. Who is he and how has he got to where he is today? So like the secret life, lives, of things, <laughs> I, have, I, I have a secret life as a monk. I was, uh, the, I'm the oldest son of an Irish Catholic mother, uh, which meant that I uh, had to go to the seminary which I dutifully did. I spent six years in the Roman Catholic seminary until I was found one too many times beneath the, the rector's window with some sweet young thing. <laughs> and it was suggested that perhaps that wasn't my calling. Um, and my dad was a physician, so door number two was medical school, which I went to happily uh, and loved until I decided that uh, I didn't really like sick people. <laughs> and door number three, uh, because my grandfather had been a lawyer, uh, was law school. Uh, and I went to okay. law school. Uh, and uh, only after practicing realized that the adversarial nature of it was uh, not really part of, uh, dialed into my, my own being. So the, the monk in me, the mystic, the priest uh, mm -hmm. that was always lurking there continues to lurk beneath the work. And it's unusual for me to come off of a, a, a book tour or a stage when where somebody might say there's some kind of there's some kind of spiritual dimension behind what you talk about and i may or may not deny it in the moment but there always is uh yeah. and so that uh, that's 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 part of what's behind uh the curtain i was a single dad for a dozen years i raised three young boys on my own uh which informed a lot of my work in connection with my second book, The Power Principles of Time Mastery, because mm. life was like living on the inside of a ping pong ball. <laughs> uh, and along the way, I, I really found the pathway, or I'm finding the pathway that is about a rich, full, and deeply satisfying life, which is really what underpins the work. Mm. Yeah. So when you look at where you are today, Walt, is it where you expected to be? Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Uh, you know, I, I'm all about, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a type A personality. I'm a high achiever. I create goals and uh, mission statements and maps and diagrams and business models. And I help my clients do that too. But where I am today, um, if, when I look back over the last 10 or 12 years, um, 
the junctures, the inflection points, the moments of, uh, of grace and guidance, I, I never could have imagined them. Mm. That's really interesting because, you know, as I, as I listened to you talk, I, I never knew actually that you were in the seminary at all. I had no idea. Well, you but asked me for those secret lights. <laughs> I know, but you know, what's kind of coming out to me as I, as I think about it is I believe that's one of the things that has connected us. This, 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 this space that you hold for yourself and you call it like the, the mystic lurking behind the work. And mm. I, I, that so resonates for me because actually, you know, I never spent any time, you know, in, in any kind of real organized religious practice. However, for me, that has been a thread that runs through my entire life. And in many ways, as I, as I mature and get older, you know, and I'm following my own path, I'm learning to really hold that relationship, that connection as sacred. Mm, amen. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And when I really think about it in that way, it changes everything for me. You know, when I, I mean, I've called um, this community Sacred Changemakers. And it was so interesting because it's almost like, and I, I'd love to know your sense of this, there isn't always a space for the sacred or the spiritual or the mysticism or just the plain old invisible in modern day life. Well, that's a, a lovely segue to our conversation. But I would, I would, I would frame it a slightly different way, Jane. I think yeah. I think the sacred and the sacred space is always there, just like the divine yeah. is always within us. It's just uh, ours, ours to recognize. Uh, mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's near, it's always nearer than near, uh, mm -hmm. but we just don't connect there. Yeah. So tell us about this title. Is Sabbath obsolete? So in my opening to my keynote around the power principles of time mastery, I said the great thing about being an entrepreneur, and I love being an entrepreneur, is that you have the freedom and the flexibility to work whatever 18 hours of the day you want. And what's true is that, you know, culturally, we're just driven. When I was a young lawyer, the annual billing expectation was 1,800 hours a year of billable time for the big firm. And when I left, it had gone up to 2,400 hours a year. And uh, I remember the first day I arrived at the uh, law firm, the, my mentor lawyer said, and, and Walt, you, you get three weeks of vacation every year. And then he dropped his voice and he said, but no one ever takes them. <laughs> and, so, and so we have a culture of speed. Um, you know, to, to succeed means to work longer, harder, faster. And the idea of any type of rest is, is, something that's completely countercultural um, in you know in the in the in the high achieving sector of our of our lives and i remember when i uh, married my beautiful business partner ann shabani now going back 14 years ago i i was a mountain climber as my bio suggests and she was a, a distance runner and she said honey if i'm going to do this mountain climbing um, stuff um, you're going to become a distance runner. And, and so I ran my first marathon at age 53 and she put together this, this marathon training schedule, which was brilliant, except it had this odd thing on it. It was called rest days. And I said, really? what, what are these things, rest days? And she said, well, those are the days we don't run. I said, but honey, we're runners. She said, yes, but you need to, you need to rest in order to get stronger. And so there are areas of our lives where we know that rest is important. I mean, we're not designed as machines to work 24 seven, 365, and yet most of us do. And this idea of Sabbath was kind of hardwired into our evolutionary structure. You know, it comes down regardless of your, of your 
traditional background, your scriptural background, the idea of Sabbath was kind of built in. You know, it's in, it's in Genesis 1.1. Uh, on the seventh day, there was rest. And yet we have lost that. And so that question is one that I grapple with is the idea of Sabbath, big or small, formal or informal, um, religious, irreligious, that idea of rest, of Sabbath, that allows us to to connect with that divine space we talked about. Is it obsolete? Is it something that is kind of out of fashion? Mm -hmm. Wow. And, you know, as, as I listen to you talking there, you know, it, everything that you're saying resonates because having worked in, you know, global corporations around the world, I, I know this to be true and not just to be your experience. This has absolutely been my experience, my client's experience. And it's so challenging for us to live in this way. And as I listened to you, I was reminded I watched um, on Netflix this week um, David Attenborough's amazing witness statement about the earth and what you're talking about here, the principle of his Sabbath obsolete, the principle of rest, the principle of rest in farming, the principle of how we have, you know, kind of extracted more than what we need from the from the earth and continue to do so in the pursuit of profit i see that this is a systemic thing it's not just something that we as individuals and as humans are challenged with yeah you know i remember growing up railing against it i grew up in the northeast of the united states um so in the late 60s, early 70s, I suppose even into the late 70s, we had what were called the blue laws. And the blue laws were the governmental imposition of Sabbath. You know, the stores were closed on Sundays. Uh, And, you know, so, so there was some type of structural recognition um, that there ought to be a time off. Um, and, you know, every now and then you start hearing noise that, well, maybe we shouldn't start Black Friday at uh, 7.05 after Thanksgiving dinner on, on, uh, um, <laughs> on the day before Friday. Right. Uh, but still, there's this idea that we're constantly on. And as you say, we're constantly on with respect to uh, our natural resources, with respect yeah. to our we've lost touch with our own. Um, rhythms, our own connection with the earth, uh, our connection with, with just the, the, the day and night cycles, it's all gone. Yeah. Uh, and and this, this period that we're in now has, I think, almost untethered us further. I have been thinking a lot about this over the last seven months. I it's almost as if time has become featureless yeah. and there all, all of the, or many of the rhythms that we used to have of, of weeks and weekends and holidays, it's just completely gone. And for those of us who are, who are entrepreneurs, there's like no place to like anchor yourself in the rhythm of a week. Yeah. And Ann and I, we love what we do. But if we're not like somewhere or doing something like running or climbing, it's like, well, let's go work. You know, I know it's, uh, I know it's Sunday morning, but let's go work. Yeah. So, you know, there, so it's almost as if this time has exacerbated this, this, and there's so much fatigue, you know, Jane, right now that fatigue is everywhere and we're desperate for rest. Yeah. And I totally agree with you because uh, it's interesting, Um, even for myself, I I notice exactly what you've just said there. It's like my default setting is to to sit down in front of my computer and work. And I don't know when that happened in my life. And as I raise my awareness to it, of course, I notice it and then I make conscious choices about whether I'm going to do it or not. However, it's like, it's, it's always there, a bit like you described the, the mystical always lurking behind. It's like even sometimes, particularly right now, um, I feel like I have a belief somewhere that I should, should be working. 
when it's the weekend and of course I shouldn't be working at all and I find myself getting so passionate about the work I do I find myself feeling there's so much to be done <laughs> in this beautiful world of ours <clears throat> to turn the ship around that I can't waste a single minute of this time I've been given I need to be on it plugged in connected doing it and I I notice how I fight myself in that and I just wondered because you're so like um you're so skilled at this Walt if there are other people like me that are listening to us talking now I mean what do we do when we find ourselves in this space where like work seems to be paramount and the things that matter most like for me children grandchildren family time with friends all those things that have been so uh, limited for us now, let me say that, because of course we're recording this conversation in October when some people are still quarantined in some mm -hmm. countries and the US in some states is still, you know, at different levels of, of quarantine. So what do we do when we, or how do we even realize that this is what's running our show? So I can tell you um, one index of trouble is when you connect at the end of the day and you're cuddling with your beautiful spouse and you begin to talk about your infusion soft open rates or the effectiveness of your, that's not a good sign. That's just, it's not good. So that's a sign that things are, are, are bad. <laughs> we need to go a different yeah. direction. <laughs> yes, infusion soft does not belong in the bedroom. <laughs> I looked at it. She was in the middle of a laundry. So I looked at her and said, what are you talking about? <laughs> Where are we? <laughs> so oh God. that's a bad sign. <laughs> but so I think, you know, she, she has a wonderful uh, quote. I don't know that it's hers, but she says, uh, and I've appropriated it. It's uh, when with discipline comes freedom. Uh, and I think if we want the freedom to engage all of the things that matter in our lives. I think if we want to reconnect with the sacred, I love Paul Tillich's um, The Ground of All Being, you know, that to reconnect with that, with that divine ground of all being. If we want that space, we actually have to, we have to begin to structure it. So perhaps we need to um, create some Sabbath for ourselves. And, you know, in, in the monastic life, there is work and there is prayer and there's a rhythm to the day. And I think that, that it, it's important for us to look for ways to structure our days and our weeks that give us, even within that discipline, that give us that access to the space that we need. Because the space, the space to connect, the stillness to connect, that's, that's where our power is. If we keep on reverting back to the keyboard, back into the mix, and like you, Jane, I love my work. I am just mm -hmm. driven to make a difference in the world and to see that other people light up with their work. I'm driven to do that. And yet I know, just like with my mountain climbing and my running, that if I rest, I come back to it stronger. It's just you know, a question of remembering it day in and day out. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right that's my experience too if i if i do rest if i do structure um time away from the business in then um that's when i have my my best insights that's when the stuff really flows to me or, or i realize something that if i was still mired in the day-to-day -day of the business i wouldn't notice at all i know so and the challenge right now is um is even in the midst of this contourless time to seize that and to do that. So Anne and I um, were in Bariloche, Argentina for two months, uh, December and January, um, simply because we wanted to and we could. We weren't going there on vacation. We were simply escaping the 53rd parallel uh, and seeking some sun and warmth. Uh, and we worked. Uh, but we also, like you, were runners, and we were running in the mountains uh, around Bariloche, and we had this wonderful time, and it was as if, 
And I think because we had shifted geography, it was as if this portal to the divine opened up. Um, and um, that old um, Rumi quote haunted me for, for eight weeks, nine weeks. Um, the breezes at dawn have secrets to tell you. Don't go back to sleep. And I would get up uh, in the pre-dawn light and watch the alpenglow uh, begin over the Andes. And I had these amazing, truly transcendent experiences of the divine. And when I got back to Ireland, um, you know, it was just filled with that sense of connection. And then the pandemic descended upon us and it all became featureless. Yeah. And I was uh, running through the dairy pastures the other day, and um, I was just feeling so um, at sea with respect to this connection. Mm. And um, th this will sound bizarre, and all of your listeners will, uh, will tune out at this moment, but a dairy cow <laughs> picked her head up and looked at me and said, the portal is here. And I said, <laughs> no way. Uh, and in, tr in fact, the portal, the portal is here. It's everywhere. It's not in Bariloche. It's not right. in Villa in, uh, in Paris. It's the portal is always here. It's nearer than near. If we can just take the time to get still, to be still. That's one of the hardest things for us as human beings is to, is to get settled and still again. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Now, you're talking about a lot of things that is totally resonating with me, um, as I knew it would. And Other than the talking dairy cow, but oh, go ahead. <laughs> well, well, no, you see, because I'm from England, I'm used to running amongst dairy cows, and they, they've shared a lot of secrets with me over the yes, years. Yes, they tend to. <laughs> they tend, as does, you know, uh, David Attenborough has this wonderful, and I mean, dairy cows are not really the wild, but, you know, they, I think there's something about the world around us, like, just like that Rumi quote you shared there, which just mm. gave me goosebumps, where there are things that, there are always things we're not aware of, just waiting for us to discover, really, I think. Mm -hmm. um, that's certainly yeah. my experience of life. And I just wonder, you know, here we are talking about, and I love the way you're bringing back the rhythms of life into into our conversation because i do think that's something we've lost but i i do wonder for the for our audience listening you know as they listen to you and you talk about the rhythms of life you talk about these portals these pathways these sense of connection like if someone is listening and they have no experience of that other than maybe church or or the synagogue or whatever it is then how or what can we do to help them not be asleep, to help wake them up? I mean, what's your sense of, of that as a, because I know it's part of what you do. Um, yeah. So the, the great Brene Brown um, has a wonderful exercise in her magnificent book, The Gifts of Imperfection. And the exercise is to write out your, your ingredients for joy and meaning. Mm. And I'll tell you, you know, like you, I like to travel and go places and do lots of different stuff. But usually our ingredients for joy and meaning are really, 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 really simple. They're not mm. complicated at all. Yeah. You know, mine is sitting in my rocker looking out at the sea with my beautiful wife and business partner, Anne. It's just, it's that simple. That's my ingredients. So connecting again with what brings you joy and meaning, I think is a really good place to begin. And then for some type of practice, um, I, I've been a Vipassana meditator for mm -hmm. going on 30 years now. Uh, very simple breath meditation. Yeah. Uh, I was introduced to it by the great Joseph Goldstein uh, up at the Barre Center for Insight Meditation in Barre, Massachusetts. And it is the single most important practice in my life. Mm -hmm. And when I'm teaching it and talking about it, I use the metaphor of the old holiday snow globe 
where you take that globe that and you shake it up and the and the artificial flakes completely cloud the scene and you put the globe back down on the surface and very gradually the flakes settle and everything gets clear and that's if one were to do anything and even if it were just like five minutes a day just to sit it doesn't have to be anything formal just to sit and watch your breath come in and out you can get all sorts of fancy apps and stuff but all you have to do is sit and if all you did was that five minutes a day it would begin to allow the flakes to settle and that would be a really wonderful place to begin oh i was just allowing my own flakes to settle there because uh yeah that's just such a beautiful metaphor for my experience as well of being with myself that's three words that i use a lot is like jane you've not been with yourself enough today so let's just go sit and for me it's also walking or, or running but doing it in that that way that is not allowing my mind to race but is allowing just some space to be with myself and be with my life and be in the world <laughs> yeah and it's so it's so hard jane because there's yeah. so much that competes yeah. for our time and attention you know these beautiful pieces of technology that we have that allow us to connect as we are today mm -hmm. um, are also they also enslave us yeah. uh, you know even the presence of your smartphone in your space has been shown to reduce your focus and acuity dramatically mm -hmm. And so, you know, can we step away from the stuff that keeps us muddling along on the surface of things? I'm big fan of uh, Cal Newport's book, Deep Work. It ought to be on everybody's bookshelf. You know, yes. That, <laughs> that, that the only thing really that will set us apart from, from the rise of AI is our, our ability, our innate human ability to go deep, to to create deep thinking and deep connection. Um, everything else will be replaced. Yeah. And yet what's happened as a result of, of how we're um, showing up in cultures that we're always skittering around the surface of things. And I don't know whether you've had this experience as technology has become more and more prevalent, but it's harder and harder to spend an uninterrupted hour or half hour or 10 minutes without like feeling a little bit nervous that maybe you're missing something in a social feed or in email. Yeah. And so, you know, giving ourselves some a permission, permission to step away from the technology is another really good concrete step. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, you've mentioned there the direction that we're headed with the rise of technology and you know artificial artificial intelligence that is well it's already here in many ways already shaping our thoughts our thinking our lives and maybe in and having some unintended consequences mm -hmm. as well as it as it goes but you know i kind of wonder about um, one of the things that we talk about a lot at Sacred Changemakers is um, a calling that, that we each have, maybe not even just one calling, but throughout our lives, there are these, these callings almost from the divine that, that um, call us to our sacred work in some way. And I just wondered if that's been something that you've noticed in your life have you felt a calling to to this deep work so i had an uncanny experience i was the um valedictory speaker the commencement speaker from my college class in 1979 and i uh, was cleaning out the house I had owned for 20 years in uh, 2018, just before we sold it outside of Hartford, Connecticut. And there was the valedictory speech, the, the, uh, the whole transcript of it. 
And I gasped in that moment because my first book, Journeys on the Edge, which was published in 2011, the theme was exactly the same. Oh, wow. The arc, the arc of the commencement speak, speech and the arc of Journeys on the Edge, the same arc, the same message. And, you know, they say that authors have really one book and priests have one sermon and, you know, that, that there is this arc that, that forms throughout our lives. And I have, I have always felt it. Uh, and, and I have been more or less connected to it over time, but I think it permeates. I think, I think there is something that, that underpins the course of our lives that guides us and calls us. So how would you describe your calling? I am a priest of possibility. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah. A priest of possibility. And I know you do a lot of work with individuals, but I just wonder if there is a bridge that exists for you. And I have a sense of what it might be, but I'm not going to go there because I want to hear you talk to this, which is a bridge of change that is not just about being an advocate for individual change in the world, but also to create that pathway really, or that bridge to what the world needs now. Mm. My, one of my top five favorite quotes, I was going to say three, but I have five, uh, <laughs> is the Howard Thurman um, quote. It says, don't ask what the world needs. Yeah. Ask what, makes you come alive because what the world needs is you alive. And so um, a lot of my work is, as you outlined in my, in my intro um, <laughs> is, is about helping mid career professionals um, yeah. to pivot into work and lives they love. Um, so many people wake up, so many successful people, like really successful people wake up um, having climbed this amazing, powerful, lucrative la ladder of success only to have discovered it was not on the right wall. I mean, that, that was my life. Um, I remember vividly walking into my law office one early Saturday morning and looking at the piles of stuff on my desk and looking out the hermetically sealed windows and thinking, is this what my life is going to be for the next 30 or 40 years? And it was just an untenable experience. Mm. And I have, you know, I, I work with these, these beautiful women and men who, who feel a call, but for many reasons have not listened to it or not been able to uh, connect with it or, for various um, logistical reasons, haven't been able to explore it. Uh, and the work is so exciting to begin to uncover what that call is, what that joy is, and to reconnect them with a path that gets them there. Uh, and it's just, it's, just, it's just fun to see. And you know, from that place of, of joy, then they're whole, you know, one of the fundamental principles of our company summit success is integrity. Um, the, it's, it's our number one value, but integrity, not from that, that typical meaning of we're going to be honest. And that's an important attribute of integrity, but from the Latin root integer whole, uh, we, we want wholeness. We want to be, whole in ourselves. We want to be whole in our be beings. We want to be whole human beings so that, that everything we do nurtures everything else that we do and touches the world and the earth in a, in a rich, full and joyful way. And I love, 
and really want to honor what you're saying here because you know it's so easy for us to sometimes think these things some of them become cliches in our language you know that we you know if we can just live a full and whole and meaningful life then of course we can change the world but i actually believe there's a there's a real thread of truth running through that because as humans i think we've created a world that isn't that <laughs> let's just say that that isn't that um so i'd love to hear well what's your vision for our world do you have one? Oh, i do um I mean, like you, I mean, I think one of the gifts of, of travel is you see the truism of Thomas Friedman's book, The World is Flat. Yeah. Um, the world is flat. I mean, I think, I think the, the pandemic has shown us that the world is flat, that, you know, you could build all of the walls that you want to build. You can create all of the nationalistic boundaries that you can create. You can create all the protectionism that you uh, want to legislate. And yet we're all interconnected. You don't have to be a, a, a sophisticated scientist to look at uh, just our, our basic DNA, that we're all, all interconnected in this, in this beautiful way. And from a, um, from, a from a place of quantum physics, we're all just intermixed in this beautiful energetic field. And so my, my vision is that we, at some point, wake up and realize that we are all, you know, to use uh, Meister Eckhart's um, notion, you know, we are all just these drops in this ocean of the divine, all connected together in that powerful way. Uh, and that we're not separate apart, we're just one. And it's interesting because as I, this for me is, uh, particularly in my work, um, has been such an interesting journey, this, this, this conscious realization of waking up, let me say that. And I, I believe that as an individual, I've, I've always been pulled towards waking up more and more into different areas. And, and then my experience over the last year with Sacred Changemakers has been fascinating. That bridge that you're speaking to between the individual and the whole and, and the individual becoming whole and then really finding deeper meaning in their own life is, is a journey I've been on. And as I get more and more into this world, that word that you use, integrity, for me, I mean that when I say that word in integration, I, I feel it in an energetic way. It's part of my body of work of resonance. And I notice how intolerant I become and am becoming of things that in previous decades of my life were perfectly acceptable. And now they're not. It's like my life is almost aligning with a different way of being in the world as I wake up, as I realize the impacts that, for example, for me, it's been one of them has been eating meat out of the, the mainstream agriculture process here in the US mm. and what the implications are of that mm. and how that no longer just, just for me, I'm not saying everybody should do this, but from my perspective has been that, okay, so that's, I don't want to be a part of that anymore. Mm -hmm. So that's not in alignment anymore. It doesn't feel like I'm in integrity if, I, if my work is shifting in this direction and that part of my life no longer fits. Mm -hmm. And talking to my clients, it's interesting because I, I find that this is one of the things that holds us back as individuals from stepping into our wholeness because we've created a life and a world for ourselves that is in alignment with the environment <laughs> and the, and the way of being that we are in that moment. So when people think about changes, when people think about creating a life for themselves and becoming whole as an individual, I notice the fear in myself 
And I notice the fear of the uncertainty in my clients as well. And I just wondered if that's something that you notice as you're in this process of helping individuals to really give themselves permission to step away, to really, you know, wake up to what the possibilities of life for themselves, then what is it that you notice prevents that? Well, I'll give you the, um, the obvious answer, which is, is fear. We're afraid. Yeah. Uh, we're afraid of what we don't know. We're afraid of discomfort. We're afraid of change. But it's also, there's an interesting corollary, and that's that we, we just take everything so damn seriously. <laughs> and, and that perhaps, you know, if we can reclaim some sense of Sabbath, we can reclaim some sense of curiosity and play. You know, right. I just, uh, I, when, I, when I'm working, even when I'm working with somebody, you know, building out an Infusionsoft funnel or, right. uh, you know, trying a new lead magnet, it's like, what would it be like just to, I don't know, just to experiment with this, just to play with it? You know, I don't, I don't know yeah. where it will go. You know, we've lost we, every, we, so my Irish Catholic mother um, was a pretty hard a taskmaster. She, you know, she would, I brought home a report card and um, it had a B minus on it. She'd say, well, honey, an A would be better. And if I came home with an A plus, she'd say, oh, but you know, did you, I don't know, were there bonus points on the, on the, it's like, I, I became pretty neurotic, um, which explains a lot why, why I'm listening to Derek House. Um, but um, I think this idea that we, you know, that we're driven to success, we're driven to perfection, that, that, that we're hard dry, it, it precludes, you know, it's part of what gets in the way of allowing ourselves, giving ourselves permission to step away from it. Because, you know, somehow if we're not doing, then we're less than and we forget that really what we need to be doing is being and in that beingness to be curious. You know, so like you, um, Anne and I um, are not meat eaters. Um, we started the journey maybe um oh eight or nine years ago and it was from a place of curiosity you know we began doing ultra marathons and we started like oh i wonder i wonder what it would be like to cut out meat i was like oh we feel better and then you know we kind of became more informed about uh it and i was like oh yeah okay well you know it's probably not for us again you know this is not true for everybody for us Maybe it's not good for us. And then, you know, connecting the dots with the environmental impact. Uh, and um, so it was just, it came from a place of curiosity and, and just experimenting. I wonder what it would be like. I wonder what it would be like to spend five minutes um, connecting with myself every day. Mm. And just being a little bit more curious and more playful and, and not quite so serious. Yeah. Now, you're not saying this uh, explicitly, but underneath what you're talking to me about, I'm, I'm, it sounds to me like you would like to inspire us to redefine what it means to be human. Yeah, you found me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because... Um, you know, at the end of our lives, we're not going to wish that we had uh, networked more or tweeted more or updated right. our Facebook status more frequently or closed more deals or had more Zoom calls or, <laughs> you know, what will matter is whether we have connected with our heart, whether we have connected with those we love, that we have done the work that answers the call, that we have as Jack Kornfield in his beautiful book says, we've lived without regret. Yeah. Hmm. So what needs to happen in your life for you to, at the end, find yourself in that space? Oh, well, you know, we teach what we most need to know. <laughs> <laughs> <Don't> we just? 
<laughs> we teach <laughs> we teach what we most need to know and you know that's it's part it, it's part of the beauty and grace of the work we both do is that you know we 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 see in the in the mirror of our work every single day where we need to grow and change yeah. uh, and so i feel very blessed i feel very blessed to be able to work with the brilliant and beautiful clients i am privileged to serve and to have that mirror reflected back and to share that journey but it's also just so revisiting you know revisiting on my on my cushion every day re, re, revisiting in my journaling and my writing and my prayer and my reflection um what it means to to live a whole life and to look for those areas where and you know every day i can find those areas where i can where i can make change make some sacred change um that will allow me to show up in the world as a more effective and resourceful version of myself you know and as I, as i'm listening to i i love it and there's a, a part of me that realizes that our work in that space is never done till we take our last breath it's continuously emerging and evolving. It's like there's movement there. Whereas I notice w with um, some people that I work with that they sometimes think a calling or, um, you know, what it means to live a whole life is a destination to get to. Like you can say, okay, yeah, I've done that now. <laughs> Which is, I think, a bit of the materialist, capitalist kind of entrenched beliefs that we have that we've things that we've to achieve as we as we go but this to me doesn't have that texture it has a very different rhythm and fluidity and almost energy with it do you know what i mean <laughs> yes um i don't know i'm i'm blanking on the author right now but there's a beautiful beautiful poem called the journey to ithacus uh, and uh, there's a line in there, ask that the journey be long. Oh. And the, the, the whole poem is about this mythical journey to the destination. But along the way, there are, uh, are dragons and obstacles. And, and um, when you finally get to the destination, uh, it is not that destination that really has lit you up. It's, it's the, it is, it's all the challenges, all of the obstacles, all of the experiences that we've had along the way. And like you, I have clients, you know, even in the business space, they'll say, you know, well, when will this stuff be done? <laughs> my response is, my response always is, please God, may it never be done. Yes. Please God, may it never be done. May we always, every single day, be able to wake up and to create and to recreate anew, to yeah. be playful, to be curious, to be experimenting. May it never be done because it always is a work in process. Oh, I just feel my body exhale as you say that. It's like, yes, thank you for giving me some language around that because that's really helpful, Walt. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I struggle like I feel the energy of what I'm trying to say. I get a real felt visceral sense of it. And yet trying to put words to it kind of collapses it in a way <laughs> into something less than. That's the only way I can describe it. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes wonder if we actually have the language we need for where we're headed in this world. Well, <laughs> oh, and but the language is, is a language without words, Jane. Mm. And that, you know, brings us back to the place of beginning, which is it's only found in Sabbath. It's only found in rest. It's only found in stillness. Our hearts always know, but it's only in silence and stillness that we can, re, that we can reforge that connection with that place that always knows. And in that silent place, you know, that still small voice uh, that the prophets describe, it's 
not in the thunder, it's not in the wind, it's that still small voice that's deep inside the silence. That's where we reconnect with it all. Yes, beautifully said. <laughs> so um, I love the way we've come full circle in this conversation. It just mm. feels so complete to me now. But I want to ask you one final question, which is just simply this, that if there was something you wished we'd get to today, something that you would want to share with our listeners, something that maybe that's alive for you in this moment, what might it be? Stop and breathe. Just stop for a moment and just breathe. Breathe in the air. And just put your hand on your heart, this beautiful heart that you didn't have to work for, that you didn't have to achieve, that just beats inside your body, this great gift, this great gift that's our, that are, is our lives. And just feel it. Be in your life and just feel it. And say that one prayer that is the only prayer that matters, which is thank you. Thank you, Walt. <laughs> Thank you. I have loved our conversation. And I get the sense that our listeners will gain so many insights from what you've shared. So thank you so much. I'm so grateful for the opportunity and the privilege to spend time with you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. Before we go, I want to remind you that all the resources and the links for our guests are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. And our growing community of changemakers are actually our sponsors who help us to keep doing our work in the world. We're a network of people committed to making the world a better place. We support each other to grow personally and professionally and together, we are making a direct impact aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, all visible on our website. So if you're interested, I invite you to take a look. It's time to build a bridge from what you want in life to include what the world needs from you. Together, we can make a meaningful difference. Again, you can find us at sacredchangemakers.com. And if our episode resonated with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. So for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your intention and efforts to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love.